Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? Thank you for joining. I've about fucking had it. I My what the fuck meter is way the fuck up. I don't know what's going on. I read a couple of articles that, you know, just kind of jarred my soul. I'm trying to move. I got a million things going on, and I just want out. I just want out. I had Brett Netson on here from Built to Spill a little while back, and he's been emailing me. I, I literally got like five or six links to a guy who basically seems to spend his life composting his own shit. This is his life. It's a series of five or six things about just a guy who's replenishing his soil that literally is showing you how to compost and, you know, create separate bins of, you know, composting your own shit, letting it sit and ferment for a year and a half till it becomes soil and then integrating it and growing food out of it. And I watch that and I'm like, well, at least he's got something to do every day. He's composting his own shit. And then Brett Netson sends me another guy who's growing tea on his balcony in Berkeley, sustaining their lives by growing things. I got Sam Cedar up in uh, upstate New York growing things. Why the hell am I not doing that? That seems like a good life to me. Then I read uh, an article about these dudes up in Maine. They, they meet once a year. They're sort of a, a politically active group, but they're not Republican or Democrat. Basically, what they are is they believe that our government, they're all fucked. They're all screwing us in the ass, no matter who they are. And they just do this protest where they, they're they not isolationists. They're not anarchists, but they 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 shoot guns at televisions. Uh, once a year and there's anarchists and there's constitutionalists and there's you know people that want to live off the grid and and i believe in that stuff there was a time where i used to break televisions i I would break televisions just to find some relief and at least know that there's an illusion there and then i read an article in time magazine about about the dollar being devalued and that maybe i should buy some gold and then i start to think like that's it i'm fucking done Fuck it. I'm going to buy a couple of gold bars and I'm going to I'm, I'm heading for the hills. And I've talked about this on my CDs. I've talked about it before that I have this fantasy in my head that if I just learn how to compost my own shit and get a small cabin and have a couple of gold ingots that I'll hide in the floor and I get a, a gun and I'll be OK. And I'll just I'll boil things and put things in jars and I'll be OK up there and I'll have some chickens and maybe a goat. A, a goat, because I talked to Zach about goats, maybe a goat, a couple of goats, and I'd be all set. And I picture that, and I'm sitting up there on my porch with my gun, talking to my goats, knowing my gold's in the floor and my shit's composting out back. And I think to myself, okay, well, what happens week two? What do we do week two? How soon before I start saying, I wonder if I get reception up here? Is there any way that I can get the cable hooked up? Where's my big screen? What about my cell phone? What if I want to get on the internet? Why do I need all this shit? I mean, what the fuck? Why can't I just be happy with just sitting on my porch with my goat knowing my gold ingots in the floor? God damn it. So that's where my head's at. 
And I'm very excited to have Doug Stanhope on the show today. I've not really met Doug in any formal sense. I met, I met him a couple of times. We know of each other. We're, we're sort of in the same circle of comedy, and we've, we've exchanged emails here and there, but I've never sat down and talked with him. And he's a libertarian dude. He certainly has made his own destiny. Looking forward to talking to him. And hopefully uh, Jeanine Garofalo, who's never met Doug, called me and said she'd like to drop by, so we'll, she, we'll, we'll see if she stops by, and maybe we'll get some closure on this. Maybe I can do the podcast from a van that I live in with my shit composting outside of the van, and maybe I'll have the gold ingots in the van. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, and I'm going to have a big bunch of this in, the, in a box, some Just Coffee. Hold on. Pow! I just shit my pants, but it's okay. I'm going to compost it. Go to WTFpod.com for some justcoffee.coop. Poop. Okay. Let's get Doug in here. No, thanks. How long have you been quit? Ten years. No shit. <laughs> that's great i don't know what the fuck i mean i i haven't smoked a cig well, i've had a couple over the last 10 years but sometimes i'll start smoking cigars and i get hooked on everything right. and i got to get off those because those are like sucking on an exhaust pipe and you know they can't be good for you yeah at first you're sort of like well i'm not inhaling yeah but i'm getting mouth cancer Yeah, mouth cancer is right. way worse than lung cancer it is right <laughs> yeah and then someone turned me on to this swedish shit this snooze which is like chewing oh, yeah, and you yeah. stick up here, but it's like it's supposedly a lot more pure and it's better and there's no cancer in it. I'm like, this is great. But then after about a month of that where I'm basically eating this shit, I'm like, this can't be good. There's no way this can be good. And then I go back to the lozenges and the gum. I'm, I'm on more nicotine than I ever was with smoking <laughs> cigarettes. I don't know why I like it. Yeah, I've, I, I've never found anything that, that works. I've been like, I don't know, a few weeks now, quit. You again. have? Yeah. Are you tweaked? Nah, I, I quit. We quit for a year. I smoked for like heavily for twenty something years, and we quit for a year. And we went to uh, Costa Rica this year, and it was like a buck twenty five a pack. And so you, you had can to. smoke everywhere. Like, all right, <laughs> fuck it, just this week. We'll. S so it's been an off and on all year. My guest in studio is. Uh, this is an interesting uh, convergence here. This is the mighty Doug Stanhope. <laughs> can I call you that? <laughs> certainly, certainly. I, you know, I have known of you. And uh, about you, and, and, and we've interacted over the years. I mean, people say- yeah, I don't think I've seen you in I don't 10 know. years. It has, I, don't, I can't even remember because we get lumped in. Like, people ask me about you, and then, you know, people compare us in, in, because there's a certain realm of comedy that people get lumped together, and there's not that many people that do it, which is honest or aggressive or raw or, or, or well, yeah. whatever you want to well, call yeah. it. I just know there's only a few people that do it. And people have been requesting that I have you on the show. And I was trying to think, like, and then I got an email from you not too long ago, a very nice email about my record. Yeah, yeah, I listened to your latest. It was great. Well, I appreciate it, man. It was very, it made it, it, uh, it was actually very moving for me to get that email from you because, like, you're just one of those guys that is out there doing the real work. And I don't know, you know, like, I, I get these dispatches from your, uh, I'm on your mailing list. And it's like, Doug is playing a bathroom <laughs> at a gas station near the Grand Canyon. You can get tickets and brown paper bag tickets. There's only room for three more. 
And I'm like, holy fuck. He's yeah, really we've been to... doing some weird ones. Bowling alleys and shit. What, <laughs> is, what is it? I mean, you're like a troubadour out there. But, you know, the thing I respect the most about it is somehow or another you've managed to get out from under the, the restraints of show business and people dictating how and where you play and club owners dictating whether or not you can play. And you've just gone it on your own, which takes a certain amount of fortitude and ambition and belief in what you do. Whereas most comics are sort of like, what can I go on? It's, it's honestly, it's really, I fucking hate to say it, but MySpace was the thing where, you know, because people are, are so lazy about signing up for your mailing list where MySpace, if they have pictures and a fucking comment. <laughs> so uh, once you have direct access to your fan base, you can fucking play anywhere. My crowd doesn't give a shit if I'm at Caroline's or a fucking Elks Lodge. So, but, so it wasn't fundamentally a fuck you to the organized comedy business? Well, well, yeah, well, certainly. Yeah. I, I mean, first of all, the money's better. When you're, I mean, I'm getting 80 to 100% of the door when I do those goofy, yeah. goofy-ass gigs. You know, and, and so the money's better and, uh, you know. There's no, you know, comment cards or bullshit. It's just my, you know, there's no birthday parties or bachelorette parties <laughs> no, that accidentally walk no in. chicks with a dick on their head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just people who know what you do and, <laughs> yeah. The, it must be nice, man. I mean, it, it must be just great to be out from under that thing where you get to a club and the club owner's like, I don't understand, last week was packed, man. Yeah. You, know I mean? <laughs> do you, you remember that? Like, It's like, what week were you talking about? Yeah. yeah well, there's last... something, there's a rival. Uh, oh, well, it's a big rival, a high school basketball yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, 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 and, uh, yeah, yeah. My fucking yeah. fans aren't going yeah. to the high yeah. school They're basketball They're giving away game. cats downtown. Yeah. So I don't just know. say, I'm yeah. unpopular. I've been unpopular <laughs> yeah, yeah. my whole career. Exactly. No, it's not like I'm, I'm going to be shocked by it. Just say it. Yeah, I'm jealous. Blame it on the road. Rodeo. Yeah, that you figured it out. Because I mean, <laughs> I've had to deal with that my whole career, and I'm just starting to get the hang of this now. I mean, the, I love doing the podcast and stuff, but just going out, the idea that you can play for a crowd that there's nothing worse than a crowd that's just sort of like we're just going for comedy. Yeah, it's, it says comedy on the sign, right? So they're going to fit yeah. into what we believe comedy is. Yeah, we had a coupon, so that's how we dictate our weekends entertainment. And yeah. I guess you've scared a few people off, haven't you? Yeah, a few. I kind of, I do miss that. Like, I'm at a comedy club this week, and last night we had a, a table full of, you know, those kind of just, yeah. it's Friday, so we have to do something. We're in from th- Jersey. Yeah, throw a dart at the weekly. And, <laughs> yeah. And it was, I was, I kind of missed that, that, you know. The resentment? Fuck yeah, you. Yeah. It's your fault. You put zero thought into your entertainment, so you deserve this. Now I you're like gonna ruining it. You're yeah. going to pay. <laughs> I hate that I missed that. <laughs> but, no, it's great because it's it provokes. The, the thing that I love about that is that you're completely not what they expected. There's no fucking way they would ever spend time with you in any context. Yeah. And there they are. And they've got to listen to you and process you. And all you can do is just push it. Just push it. <laughs> just see how far you can push it. And everybody else loves it. And the best that can happen is they leave or cry. Yeah. Uh, or uh, like you. But, you know, that's a Yeah, that, I don't think that happened. What happened? Last night. Oh, no. There's just some girls. And she actually raced backstage after the show. She jumped on stage and ran into the green room at comics. So what was that all about? Oh, really? Yeah. No boundaries at all. She didn't like you, but she wanted to confront you. Yeah, but she I, I, again, there, her ego was attached at that point. So she, there was part of her that you know, <laughs> hated the fact that she liked to be picked on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're lucky you didn't end up marrying her. Mm-hmm. I um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Your disc, your disc is one of those... Uh, your latest, where where you think about it all the time. I find myself, you know, the the oh, we stop eating in between meals. Oh, that, like, oh. every time I'm eating between meals now. It's like I, I 
that I hear Scotland that. thing. Yeah, like I want a quick comedy and that that whole bit about you wandering through Canada. And, yeah, yeah. Like that sounds like a great idea. But what happens on day three? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, Every we're, time I want to disappear into Costa Rica, I go. I know. I, I, you th- you think that way too? Yeah, I do, but I know that I would be bored out of my tit. I'm such a slave to everything I hate. I've become every American that I make fun of. Well, that's the weird thing is that, like, I was thinking about that today because I, I'm moving and back to L.A., and there was a time where I just, I, I hated television. And when I was younger, like, there was, this, I went through this period where I'd buy TVs at thrift stores just to throw them off buildings because it was, <laughs> and, and now I have spent literally three weeks obsessing about, like, how the fuck am I going to get my big screen back to L.A.? How am I going to do that? I mean, do I have to pack it myself? I don't want it to break. Like I'm like I'm that guy. Like I don't know what I do without the big yeah, screen. DVR. Now. Yeah, it's fucking ruined my 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 career. I think. I think eighty percent of my creativity was sucked away once I get DVR. Oh no shit. Yeah, and how about how much of your creativity is sucked away? This is the other thing about managing the business of of being your own guy is that you know doing dispatches, making sure you're connected with the fans and everything, and having all that. I mean, I never got in this to work. Did you? No, no. I yeah, no. I, that's the problem. That's the trade off with. You know, that, like all the Facebook and MySpace, it's a fucking full-time job. I used to do stuff on the internet. I'd, you know, I'd right. cruise it and I'd learn shit and I'd yeah. read stuff. And now I I look at it like a pile of dishes where I'd say, oh, shit, that's a list. Of, <laughs> it's just too many problems. There's too many unanswered emails in there. And I, <laughs> so yeah, what- and comfort is a, a real problem, too. I, my life is good. I'm in a good relationship. I have a you know, couple dogs and a couple cats and a small house in the middle of nowhere. And it, that's it's really sh- shitty for comedy, I, I, where you, you feel like you have to force yourself into more self-destructive places and make bad choices just, just for the business. So you can find the anger. Yeah, to you be professional. I don't yeah. think that if Stanhope got on stage and said, I'm feeling great, everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, you're in the green room and you go, oh shit, I'm smiling. <laughs> everything sucks, everything sucks. Get ready. Yeah, I just, uh, I find that I, I, I end up, uh, even if, if things are good, I can find something. Can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you can turn on the news. It's, I always feel like cheap when I'm watching CNN f- just for material. Like, uh, yeah, well, you have to though. Yeah, I mean, well, you're I, out there. I, I, it's just an immediate reflection of I'm not doing anything with my life. I'm not taking any chances or trying new shit. I'm just, I'm just happy you're, balloon you're, boy jokes. These will fly. Yeah, you got a couple. Get a week out of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it big enough to be broad enough to represent <laughs> yeah. something else. Right. And get a month out of it. I'm just happy you're still alive, man. Because Jesus Christ. I mean, when I used to keep up with you, I mean, I think the first time I ever met you was probably in 1995 at the Aspen Comedy Festival. I think you were on ecstasy and you were wearing a Santa hat. And and I <laughs> and you just sort of were bouncing around in a Santa hat, and I didn't get to see you. Yeah, and I then, used to wear a Santa hat for no reason. Probably yeah, and then just there was for the, attention, I'm guessing. And then there was the period where, like, uh, weird. everywhere you went, for some reason, you were naked by the end of the show. Yeah, yeah, I stopped doing that as I <laughs> started getting older and looking at myself. <laughs> What was that about exactly? How did that transpire? Because it was thematic. I remember that people would come up to me and show me pictures of Stanhope naked. And then there were many of them like, is he closing with this? Yeah. No, I just, I had a habit of getting drunk and and I'd just get naked. I I was fucking ridiculous. (laughs) It wasn't, there was not some thought behind it. Like, it's like, if I do this, there's never anything to be afraid of. I, I guess there was something of that. I remember the first time I did it on stage where I got the reputation was uh, in Austin at the uh, what the Cap City, or, and uh, they did a they did a midnight blue show on a Saturday, a third show late, like midnight. 
uh, obviously. Uh, and they do it, but they invited the crowd from the second show to hang around. And I had just headlined, and I, I'm not going to be any dirtier. It's not like there's anything I'm holding back in my right. regular show. So they had local guys go up, and then I just went up naked and just did airline material and fucking just had the hackiest material I could think of. <laughs> and then and then you're like, you're the, that's your hook. You're the naked guy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how the hell you did it. To me, it's frightening. The idea that karaoke and being oh. on stage naked are two things I can Well, yeah, I, I drink quite a bit. <laughs> so yeah, the fear goes away. <laughs> but or, you quit smoking. Quit smoking, yeah. Uh, and then getting I think fat. You, didn't you uh, also, like, I, I mean, like, I haven't kept up specifically, but I know there were some highlights. Didn't you, you didn't you also get a vasectomy and then publish the photographs online? Yeah, yeah. It took a little video. Yeah, yeah. That, was that? Uh, did that bring some fans around? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I got any n- new clientele from it, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. My balls, because I, I got a granulomas. Is it's where you? I guess you continue to to produce uh, semen, and, uh, but it leaks out, and my balls swelled up like just yeah. unbelievable sized balls. So I had to put some pictures out just to prove that I wasn't exaggerating. <laughs> That was fucking freakish. <laughs> that would have seemed the, the time me. to resurrect the naked thing, is if you actually had sort of a freak show element. Yeah, it. no, I, I, I'm sure I pulled them out a few times. That was a, <laughs> a few years ago. I don't remember exactly, but yeah, it, it, I had a, yeah, sorry. And we're, no, no, dude, bring it. I um, Now, the other thing that I guess I, I want to talk about was that I, I, did, you, did you actually do, a, a, you ran for president, kind of? Yeah, I tr- I started. I I went through the the beginning processes, and then it just turned into such a a, a nightmare. It's just a labyrinth of paperwork and bullshit. And you know, if you you're accounting, that was the biggest reason I dropped out. Because if you screw up even a little bit, you know, with your your paperwork, you can get you know six figure fines for fucking up. And I fuck up way too much on a daily basis to risk any of that. Is that just, just for a goof? Do you think they put that in place to so people don't prank like that to make it complicated? Enough I'm to- sure on some level, but I mean a lot of it's legitimate. You know, if if I were a legitimate contender, getting actual contributions. But uh, as a uh, just doing comedy, that was one of the the things. If I were to talk about my my campaign on stage then any money I made would be considered campaign contribution. So, so then that to give them the license to check your money out. Well, no, I mean, I, it wouldn't be my money. It would be a campaign contribution if I was talking about, you know, if oh, people so are paying me 20 bucks to come see my act and I'm talking about my campaign. Yeah, that's those so were the gray say, areas you where you go. fuck it? Yeah. What was the platform? Libertarian. And now you are a libertarian. I, you know what, I, I, I'm doubting it. When I think about like some of the stuff I talked about on that record or, 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 or going off the grid or moving to Canada, I just, you know, I read an article about these guys in Maine that actually go out and shoot television sets, that it's not about right wing or left wing. It's about the fact that the, you know, democracy is a tired old whore that's been sold out a long time ago. Sure. Whether or not can be resurrected, I don't know. But I, I've always wondered, you know, where you stand on that politically. What does a libertarian mean to you? Unfortunately, it means you have to count on human goodness, and you can only keep that drunk going for so long before you go, all right. But yeah, it's just self-sufficiency and self-reliance. I I, I guess I'd be an anarchist, uh, ultimately. But then, yeah, no, I, I don't have enough faith that human beings at this stage could could get along in 
human goodness in the sense that some part of libertarianism in your mind is that, you know, people would look out for each other if they had the freedom to do so, that if the personal responsibility, you meant that, you know, human beings as a community had to take care of their own community. That right. kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because I think libertarianism gets like confused with these idiots that are like, you know, do whatever you want, just stay off my property or I'll shoot you. Yeah, and there's a lot of that faction, and that's why getting involved with the party and all was absolutely... Like, I went to the convention and I'm going, What, what were they like? Because I think they're just... They're, they're Republicans that don't care if guys fuck each other in the ass. On social But there's issues. not enough of the not caring about guys fucking each other in the ass to make it... There's not enough of the, the hippie drug element to offset the Christian, you know, homeschooling. Right. You know, I don't want the government teaching my kids because they'll teach, teach evolution. There's that... That's, you know, the heavier part of the party. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a fucking shame. Yeah, it's a, and and I, I thought it would be a yeah, like I, like come on, let's take mushrooms and build a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, parties a libertarian party just won't work. It's like a you know planned anarchism. It's not gonna. So what do you now? Tell me a bit, a bit about like some of the stuff that you used to do when you used to do sort of a, a desert festival of sorts. Yeah, for uh, I guess it was six or seven years. We, we found a spot in Death Valley where we'd have. Yeah, but between 50 and 100 of us every year, we'd get together for four days and just, yeah, our own personal burning man. It started to grow, and that's why we had to kill it, because it, it got out of control where people we didn't know were showing up. Are you but... saying, like, the bikers started to come? No, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the mongrels showed up. and Because no, the whole idea was, I, I, you know, doing road comedy, you, you make so many great friends that you only see once a year when you're traveling through right. wherever. And uh, so it was a matter of getting all those people together in one place, and it was really fun. But then the next year, people would bring their friends, and then the next year, th those people wouldn't show up, but their friends would, and they'd bring their friends, and they kind of get to a place where it was like after, right. after a show friends. where you're like, hey, I'm Doug, who are you, who are you? Right, so it, it turned into the, exactly what it was. Lost the party element, right. and people were bringing shitty people. <clears throat> like, who invited that guy? Sorry about my pig flu. Yeah, you got the pig uh, flu? Did you have yeah. it? I, I don't. I had something when I went to London. I don't know what it was, but so it's, well, it's, you know, it's great uh, about you is that I'm finding right now as we kind of talk for the first time. I mean, I, you know, the last time I saw you were, uh, it was at the Coach and Horses before That's I got sober. That's the last sober. time I, I remember seeing you. And yeah. you wrote in a letter that you thought that we I had a beef with you or something. I don't remember. No, no, you didn't have a beef. You just said, you know, I always hated you until, uh, <laughs> but then I saw you and you were, I think you're funny. So it was, it was one of those compliments that hurt at the beginning. <laughs> You know, everyone who's been on that sh on this show has had that story about me. <laughs> I had Greg Barron on, and he said when I met him in San Francisco the first time, he was like kind of buff, and he wore a tight shirt, and you know, he had long hair. And apparently I walked up to him, and I said, oh, so you're that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, it was a funny night, because it was actually started with uh, Janine Garofalo, me and Hedberg, Went out because uh, he had a big crush on you, what? and he was trying to Get find mic, you at Jenny. some party. This is the first time I've ever heard this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he had a big crush on Come you. Come here. Get on the mic. Second. Wait. The Get your knee on the mic. That's. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is like uh, probably '96. And uh, wow, I have never heard that ever. We're in LA, and uh, we. He, I think we went to a show where he thought you might be doing a set, and then he couldn't find you, and then we went to. Uh, it was uh, the premiere of, what the fuck, Comedy Product. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I did that, didn't I? Uh, yes. 
And uh, it was at Dave Rath's house. Yes. And uh, so we went we went to buy beer to bring to the party, and we, we couldn't decide what kind of beer to bring, and we were, like, intimidated by what brand we should have. So we decided to get Meisterbrow, the shittiest beer we could find. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we sat out back. We went to the party and we didn't really know anyone. So we sat out back shotgunning Meisties. <laughs> and do Just we to be completely fucking ridiculous. And I remember Greg Barrett coming back going, what are you guys drinking Meisterbrow for? You know, we have good beer. You don't have to drink that stuff. <laughs> So then, then did we ever interact? No, you that ne- night? he never found you. But I, I remember the mission started out as him trying to find you because he had a crush on you. My it- head is totally blown by that. I find that to be unbelievably that flattering. Hedberg had a crush, yeah, on, a crush you? on me, and I've never heard that. Didn't ever. everybody have a crush on no, you at some point? Not that I would know of. Well, I mean, I think if we took a poll, if I was to solicit emails right now of everybody listening to this podcast who had a crush on Janine Garofalo, there would be many. I w- well, that's very nice of you to say, but I don't know if that's true. But, but we're going to uh, find out now. But the Mitch Hedberg, that's a big one. That's huge. Was that when he was Only just I going could build by a time Mitch? machine and uh, go back. <laughs> did, he have, did he go through a period where he was just I, mean, Mitch? I know you guys were friends for years, but when I did the comedy competition with him in 92 in San Francisco, I think it was just Mitch. All right. <laughs> did you know <laughs> yeah. yeah, I knew him back then. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was. Then I, I remember he had those headshots that said Hedberg Mitchell. Like, I, it was, <laughs> I, I didn't realize you guys were so tight, but it, uh, it, until later. So I'm just thinking of all the people that used to drink. That's <laughs> brought it up. You and Greg Barrett and uh <clears throat> Did you ever try and quit that? No, no, I never did. So it's working out for you still. Yeah, yeah. All it's right. Not so bad. This isn't an intervention. I, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't get that look on your face like what's yeah. happening. Where yeah, you- <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's wor- I don't I can't imagine. I fucking hate doing stand-up comedy so much that the thought of doing it sober was just too depressing. Well, that's, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you ever knew Steve Kravitz, but I, you know, when I was at the comedy store as a doorman, Kravitz used to wander around and back, just loaded, and he'd walk up to you and go, was I on yet? (laughs) (laughs) And I go, yes, Steve. He'd go, how was I? (laughs) Steve Kravitz, I remember him. So Janine's on mic. Garofalo's here. Stanhope's here. So I think I wanted to have a conversation about, since we all come from the same... uh, pedigree of, of, of the stand-up, the type of stand-up we want to do, which is freedom of mind, uh, revealing hypocrisy, and, and speaking uh, the truth as we see it. That sounds incredibly... Uh, I, I don't want to put myself... You're giving me too much credit. I don't want to lump myself in. You guys are probably more that way than <clears throat> than I am. Well, I'm just trying to get to the common seat. I want, <laughs> what I want to have a conversation about is what drove us into it. I mean, who, you know, what drove you into it? I mean, you know, who was your, uh, I don't want to say, you know, heroes or whatever, but so, there is a moment in, in someone who does stand-up comedy's life where they're like, fuck, I'm doing that. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? I, I, re- I remember the catalyst that got me to start was actually Andrew Dice Clay, because I was 23, and I, he was the biggest thing, and it was fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> I've and, sang uh, his praises recently, because I saw him recently, and I've, I've defended Andrew Dice Clay because I was at the comedy store, and I was a doorman there when Dice broke, but, like, I hadn't seen him in years, and I wasn't, you know, it was kind of a spectacle, but I never really laughed at his jokes, per se. But I saw him recently, 
get on stage. He's heavier. There's no affectation anymore. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. And he got on stage and did 40 minutes, and it was fucking hysterical. Really? Yeah, because, like, and now, because all the device is gone, and it's not about, you know, nursery rhymes yeah. and sexism per se, is that you start to realize, like, he has some gravitas. D despite whatever you may have thought about him, he, he is a guy. He yeah. invented whatever the fuck it is that he does up there. And he has a very peculiar way of looking at things. And after seeing 15 guys that I couldn't even figure out, if I closed my eyes, I wouldn't know the difference between yeah. them. To see a guy who was a real guy... You know, just talk about go he, he doesn't talk about shit anymore. He talks about going to Staples with his kids, <laughs> but he's got a way of doing it that where you like, well, he's he's Andrew Dice Clay. Uh, no matter what you thought of him, he's still a fucking real comic. When I back then, when he was at the you know, the the first album came the writer out and, and the thing, and yeah, the right, yeah. And I would I would do him. I did fraud telemarketing back then, and I'd do him around the office. I'd just do Dice. And and the owner had a side band, a cover band, as a you know goof project. And he said, "Oh, you you should uh, you should open for my band with that." Like that's someone else's material. But just knowing that I could get a gig if I had material made me sit down and start writing. That was so. The, let me get this straight. That was the push. Doug Stanhope started as an Andrew Dice Clay impersonator in an office. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you that's a bit of information that hasn't been revealed. How did? You, <laughs> Who blew your mind, Janine? Um, well, there was a couple of... Uh, my interest in comedy in general started... Um, I can remember really clearly I was uh, uh, having a slumber a birthday slumber party. And my dad was watching all of us. And he ran out of things to do with us. And he said, there's a Woody Allen movie on. It was called Take the Money and Run. Oh, yeah. And he said, I'll, I'll make pizza and you girls watch this. And I became fascinated by Woody Allen and the, this, uh, this comedy and just the absurdity of it. And then it developed a lifelong love of Woody Allen. And then, of course, he matured and changed in his, his comedy. And my taste sort of just mirrored whatever Woody Allen was doing. And then also SCTV was on when I was a kid, um, which I always thought uh, was better than Saturday Night Live, but unsung. And so I was very, very always following that, uh, what was going on at Second City. And uh, then, so my idea was uh, to write comedy for a sketch show or do something or work I don't, I don't know what and letterman came on when i was in high school and i thought i'm going to go to work at the letterman series i want to be a writer and live in new york and then by the time i was a junior in college i thought i think i'll just start doing stand-up it'll be just a more immediate way in and and and, and something that that I, i'll i'll try to do because i knew i didn't want to get a job job like any other kind of yeah. regular job it's the only thing that's ever held my interest ever long term in my life i have not been interested in ever in anything for more than a couple of years at a time. But comedy and, and stand-up and sketch comedy has maintained the same level of interest in my mind uh, for all those years. So I, And now I couldn't do anything else, and not because I mean that in a very artistic way. I don't have any marketable skills. Yeah. I could not possibly fit into an office setting. Um, I'm quite stupid as a person. I, I don't know a lot of things. I mean, I'm intellectually curious. That's a plus, I guess. Sure. But I, I couldn't possibly pick up in an office, you put me in a job, even a temp job or something. It's terrifying. They couldn't, I couldn't possibly I learn know. what not. those people know. How I do people think about it? Uh, uh, what would I do? How do people, m m I don't know. more than that, how would you remain appropriate? I mean, you know, when, I, uh, when I'm in an oh, office, yeah. Yeah. how the fuck, you know, like even when I worked here at Air America, like I talk at this level and I'm like, you fucking cock. And then, you know, all of a sudden you got nine people in cubicles sticking their heads up going, what's going on? What do you mean what's going on? I'm having a conversation. But yeah, yeah. I, I, like when we hang, we hang out with our neighbors, we live in a small town in Arizona and 
like our best friends in town is she, she's she's a, a Safeway deli manager and he dri- drives a Dorito truck and what, sometimes like we'll we'll drink beers with him and watch football and stuff. They're yeah. our neighbors and they're it's it's kind of funny to have. Do you, do you ever like, go like? But you you find where you'll occasionally say something that would be completely appropriate with you know, here around comics, and, <laughs> and you wouldn't even think of it as. And then you're like, oh shit, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I mean, it is their dog, and I just it's just a way of communicating. I think that's different that yeah. you if you are in, uh, I guess, this line of work. That uh, you you and also you find like minded people and you wind up hanging out with like minded people and then when you go home and you hang out with your high school friends or uh, or anything like that or even relatives you realize that that is not usually the way people communicate with right. each other and they also stay away from so many subjects most people feel that it would be in, impolite to discuss politics religion real substantive things sure. seem to be off the table all the time for most people. So I don't know what they're really discussing. I don't think they're discussing seemingly. much. I, I think what, you Probably know, their families or their kids or school, whatever is going on. And I'm not saying that in a denigrating way. I'm not saying aren't they lesser than. I'm just saying that it seems to be odd when you do actually confront somebody and say, well, why did you vote that way? Or, well, yeah. well why do you think that show's funny? Exactly. Something like that seems to be completely off the table for most people. Yeah, you've caught them off guard somehow, and they're forced to have an opinion, which is not, you know, they don't usually They don't even know why they have whatever opinion they uh, espouse. Or they're not drunk. I mean, there's one. if if they're drinking with friends, maybe they will be a little more uh, forward about why they like or dislike something or more willing to extend it. Yeah, if you outnumber them. Well, I guess, like, what I was thinking, like... When I started, I uh, you know I used to listen to comedy with my brother, comedy records. You know Steve Martin, Cheech and Chong, George Carlin, Richard Pryor, and I used to watch comics on TV. My parents brought me to see Jackie Vernon when I was 11 years old. He All was right. an old guy. You know he used to do the slideshow yeah, thing. I don't know. Yeah, he was. It was. He's like a, he's hard to sort of find, but his whole bit I thought was hilarious. He used to do this thing where he had a fake slideshow. He had the clicker. It's like the vacation. Yeah. Like this is my wife. This is my wife. The next morning, like all the jokes were set up right. to these. Fake slides. And it just, I don't know where it got planted in my head that somehow or another stand up comedy was the only place where you could really express yourself however the fuck you wanted, as long as you made people laugh. Sure. But I think that's what's interesting about the three of us is that we all became, you know, sort of aggressive social commentators. And I think that if I'm not mistaken, one of the things we share is some sort of uh, um, proximity to Bill Hicks in a way. That, like, I knew him a little bit. You worked, you toured with him. And also grew up in the same neighborhood, which I didn't know till his memorial service. Right. And certainly you have, uh, you know, looked at his stuff or have yeah, met him. Yeah, yeah, I didn't get into him until after I started comedy. I'd yeah, yeah, me I'd neither. never heard of him. And but. it got to the point with me where I, I had to be careful. I couldn't watch him. Because, it, you know, I didn't want, because I knew we were barking up similar trees, and if you're talking about real shit, there's only a few people that talk about it, or opinionated shit, and I didn't want to be influenced by him. Right. But it seems like I get I get a lot of emails, and uh, you know somebody wanted me to tell Hicks stories, and and I had you on the show, and I knew that somehow or another you're part of that legacy. What your feelings about him were? Yeah, I I, I mean I loved him, but it's one of those things. The more you get the comparisons, and especially when yeah I work so much overseas where. You, it's just relentless. Like you want to hate him. I want to find a flaw in him to just go fuck, fuck that guy. Can't we all talk about different? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, why do you got to want me in with that? Well, the problem is when you get compared to us because you get press over there. You don't get that here. But when you get compared to him so much, people will show up expecting Bill Hicks and then get mad at you for not being enough like Bill Hicks. So it's 
it's a, a kind of a double suck there. But yeah, I think I thought he was great. Uh, you know, it can be strange for a lot of people about Bill Hicks is if you didn't see it live, <clears throat> it can be different because I don't think he was ever really captured appropriately on a lot of the footage that some people uh, – there's very few uh, avenues of us to see him now. There wasn't that much tape on him. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not that indicative of how good he could be. Because there's a lot of times when you look at it, if you didn't know the legacy of Bill Hicks, you might see something and go, what's all the – that's what everybody's yeah. making a big deal about? But And it's, it's unfortunate because it's hard to convince sometimes now younger people how good he actually was if you – were there live yeah. when he was on. Because there's also a lot of nights where he was not, as anyone isn't, uh, sure. and, but he would really bail halfway or there was years there we went through with, I guess, drinking. He was experimenting with drinking and stuff. And then there was a while where he wanted to walk the room, which I I, I don't know if I'm not like all that. I, I went he, through my you know. phases with that earlier. And how'd that go? <clears throat> oh, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still working. <laughs> <laughs> Did, were you able to walk rooms intentionally? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, sure. If you go, you try hard enough, but <laughs> yeah, they, they, I went through periods where, yeah, fuck this. I, you know, I'm getting paid the same either way. That kind of mentality, where, yeah, but yeah, it wore off. <laughs> I, I, I've always been like, I've, I've pulled back from that, uh, from being that aggressive on, on principle. Only in the sense that I started to realize with me, I just wanted to see how far I could push people and and still bring them back. Not necessarily push them all the way out, yeah. but if I did push them all the way out, then you try to negotiate with them and try mm-hmm. to you know just uh, change their belief system, which won't change. And then you put yourself in the position to where they're going to condescend to you afterwards anyways, where you could sit there and fucking be <laughs> Satan in their face all you want, but they'll come up to you afterwards and go, I'm sorry for your trouble. I'm like, how the fuck dare you condescend to me after that? I would prefer to be well liked well i think i, I, I would, I would too. prefer to be well liked i i when the people do leave at my on my stand-up believe me that is not something i wanted and it and i will think about it and think about it because there is a lot of people uh, over the years who their dislike towards me has been particularly vitriolic so what is that really about is there an element of misogyny or is that too easy you know i mean i, I have no idea if it's gender related but they seem to get madder at, at uh uh politically speaking Margaret Cho, Wanda Sykes, and I seem to take it on the chin a little more than uh, male counterparts who say the same things, if not worse. Or even if you're going to say in the entertainment business, Viggo Mortensen, Tim Robinson, Sean Penn. Uh, Sean Penn takes it from Fox. But Viggo Mortensen, I doubt, has people confront him the way I get confronted or Margaret Cho does at shows by by males wanting to get into it. And I think that's uh, because... I think a lot of people are loath to confront people unless they know they can physically take them. But no, deep, but I also deep think, down, do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, they no, feel I, comfortable I, with me, but not six foot five Tim Robbins or sure. Vigo Mortensen. But people become you became a symbol, though. I mean, yeah, there are plenty of people out there that have no fucking idea what you even say or do. Mm-hmm. You just become this symbol of lefty Hollywood to some people. They have no idea about about who you are. So you take it. You take a hit for something that's completely out of your control. But that's, that's what. What is that thing they loathe? You know what I mean? Because, like I said, some of the the letters. You're an intelligent woman. Are, no, I don't know. I don't think that's it. Uh, a, they wouldn't. A, I'm not particularly smart. We established well, that earlier. Stop it. I'm not being self-deprecating. That's just the truth. <laughs> I can't do math at all. I that's can't just, either. That doesn't I mean you're not smart. I can't follow simple directions, and I get lost in the car all the time. Having so said is, that, that, that uh, those people would not say, say that the, the, the people they quote unquote loathe are intelligent. I really don't think they think that. And I, it's, it, I, I don't know what it is. There's something much let's, more well, visceral uh, or much more. Well, let's get to specifics about being offensive. Now, what is it like, you know, for you, 
uh, Doug, you know, in, in, in your history on stage, what was the most what was taken the most offensive? What offended people the most? Uh, it's, it's, it's always strange. It seems like overall people seem to get offended at the thing you would. Yeah, the most innocuous thing mm-hmm. you do. Yeah, I'm doing fucking fist fuck jokes and abortion and <laughs> Jesus, and then you, as an aside, mention diabetes, and someone's like, <laughs> "It's that funny." If you've ever had to deal with juvenile diabetes, like Jesus, that wasn't even like a punch. I just <laughs> exactly, yeah, just dribbled out of the corner of my mouth as yeah. I was segueing to something yeah. else After that you just had I your- was. Afraid would be offensive. Jesus, you know, raping the Pope. You, you give to- uh, I was in uh, Scotland, and I was just, uh, it was the Fringe Festival, and I was just hosting a show. It was a late night show that I was just hosting, and I s- said something about ecstasy, and a girl fucking just came apart and screaming that it's not funny. Her sister had died taking ecstasy, and I was d- drunk with absolutely, you know, no, you know, I don't care how, and I'm like, fuck you, your sister didn't die from ecstasy. If anything, it was bad ecstasy, you know, because you don't die from pure MDMA unless she was an idiot that danced all night in a tracksuit without drinking water and her kidneys blew out. But don't blame a decent drug because your sister has a <laughs> shitty dealer or something. And, and did that, that offend her or how'd that yeah, go she, over? Well, she, did that solve she, she everything? She runs out, you know, crying, and uh, so I introduced the next act. <laughs> <laughs> I introduced the next comic, and I is Scott Caparo. Yeah. You know flamingly gay American yeah. comic uh, he goes up on stage and I went into the back alley to smoke cigarettes and uh, evidently she went to the upstairs bar and got two of her big rugby thug friends and said the American comedian's making fun of my dead sister so they came down jumped up on either side of stage thinking Scott Capurro American comedians on stage (laughs) one of the kids working there ran out the back they go you gotta get out of there there's two guys down there they're trying to kick your ass but they think Scott Capurro's you I guess it took them like 15 minutes and there were only two women for bouncers to try to get these thugs out of there well what the fuck happened Uh, he just well Scott Capurro's quick on his feet that's more about that girl made made some good funny out of it but uh, that girl just obviously wanted to make an issue first of all Well, you obviously weren't making any references to her sister. Right. Secondly, what a niche thing. And like for her, so she's fine with every other thing you said. But, sure, but that's sure. because and, but it, then, then all of a sudden she wants to get involved. That's just more about her right, well, right, needing but it, to be the, seen and heard. I don't know if that's necessarily true because <clears throat> I, the, what happens is, is that when you have a relationship, when you're on stage, you know, if you're good and you're, and you're honest, you know, sometimes the wall between, you know, stage and them, you're talking directly to them. Right. So if it's loaded emotionally, like the one thing that I had happened, I was doing a show at fucking um, Largo. Did I talk about this on the podcast where I got attacked? No. I, I at was doing Largo, right? At the altern- the capital of alternative comedy, like the place where like it's nothing but yeah. you know you know sort of precious nerds enjoying you know smart things, and uh, <laughs> you know I'm doing this joke that has suicide in it. It wasn't about suicide. It didn't matter, but you know there there is. You know, a suicide in the joke. A guy goes down at his own hand in the joke. And it's got nothing to do with suicide. And I I do the joke and some guy says, don't do jokes about suicide. Like in Largo, out loud, like I could hear it was coming from his guts. Not It wasn't like uh, commentary. And I go, what? He's like, just don't do it. Just don't talk about suicide or I'll take you out, bitch. Wait, I was there. Let me, I'll do the version after he does his. All right. (laughs) 
And so I said, uh, you know, of course I did what any comic would do. I, I immediately got defensive. I said, why did you just lose somebody? <laughs> and uh, you know, and what, nah, 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 yeah, nah, right. Nah. And, I, and I said, why do you? What, what? What do you need this kind of attention from a room full of people you don't know? You know, I'm the guy with the mic. You know, what the fuck is your problem? And then I got real cocky, and I and I after I laid it on him, I said, he's still going to take me out, bitch. And he did. He, he he left out of the audience and stood me off on stage. And he clearly wasn't a fighter guy. And I was the last act on. And I'm not really a fighter guy either. But I knew I couldn't run because yeah. I'm you know I'm on stage and that wouldn't look good. So <laughs> I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm gonna have to take the hit, you know. And he was gonna pick up a music stand. And then you know they they pulled him off of me and they broke it up and it got Dave weird. Dave Rath he, actually right. He ta- uh, the guy tackled me and ripped my shirt open. It was just awkward. And Vincent D'Onofrio was in yeah, the yeah. audience. <laughs> so there was moments where I'm like, Am Thank I in God. a mood? He always cracks the case. Vincent not real. <laughs> and then, like, it turns out, like, you know, it got weird and you know, just a room full of people dispelled and everyone's out in the street. And, and I go outside and Wrath is like, you know, just, you know, stay out of his face. The guy left. And then he comes back around in a car. He gets out of his car and, and people are like, no, just fucking chill. And I'm like, no, no, you know, there's enough of you around to watch my back. Let him out of the car. I'll have an audience with him. You know, so... So we walked down the street. I'm like, what's up? He's like, well, you know, my brother, like, you know, he tried to kill himself. I'm like, he didn't even do it. (laughs) So this is all, but, you know, we made up and whatever. It's not a very satisfying ending to the story, but that had nothing to do with anything I was saying. It was just a a moment that sparked this emotion. May I I, I intervene? What happened was, and yes, what you're saying is is true. He did not initially say, I will take you out, bitch. That was, there was an exchange between you two that went on. What it became is that guy became embarrassed to even said anything out loud. Then his he, he had to keep it up with Mark. Yeah. He was reticent at best. He was not a fighter. He was probably not a guy that even probably meant to say that out loud. Then Mark's ego was involved. Then they had to. Neither one of them wanted it to go where it went. It had to eventually because they were provoking each other. That guy reluctantly yeah. came towards the stage, but it, it did get ugly. Meet me and at the bike racks w- at three, and now, yeah. you, now you but have to show up. Neither one of them wanted it to go to where it went, but you antagonized the shit out of that guy. He, you, you, he would have been quite willing to back down. You, what you were, you were so mad at him. I think Mark is much more responsible, and I think the guy never meant for that to pop out of his mouth. Is don't talk about that, and he would have no, been quite no willing one got to this shut on up. YouTube. Uh, no, this before. is before the days of that. Oh yeah, but he Mark he would have been quiet, but Mark was so. At him and at him and at him. You you were picking at him. That's the fun, right, Doug? I mean, I guess some people don't understand what fun is anymore on stage. I, in fact, you I've, probably said first the take you out or something, or you. I think that's you not first my said, lingo. Um, I, no, no, something like, "Are you going to take me out?" You mocked him. Like neither one of you was in. It was both two guys that that's not in their lingo. Thanks for reminding me what I used to love about doing stand up. That, that is exactly it. Is that that's what you're talking about? That the thing you lose when you only play to your people is the yeah. possibility of that happening. Well, that's why I was surprised when you say you get a lot of you know guys yelling shit at you. Oh no, no, no. This is this. It's not a lot. It's a. It's it's definitely politically related, and it, it is definitely like that astroturfed stuff. Like there'll be right wing bloggers who will tell other right-wingers where I am, and they will say, go and harangue her. And it'll be just one or two dorks, but it will uh, be... To actually go out of their way to go yes. to your show and pay money? To... Yes. Uh, no, no. A lot of times... Well, some will pay money, but a lot of times they will wait 
till after the show and and you know buy in the when you're leaving or they will find out what hotel I'm staying at um, and it's just a handful wow. of people but they'll show up with a video camera and then there's the fake pro they they they, they will call sometimes call the theater threaten a protest that this is over the tea bags and stuff. Uh, the, the first tea bag thing that happened last April, I went on Oberman to discuss it and I pointed out that's just racism. It's just abject racism. These, these nine twelvers, these tea baggers, these Patriot movements. The all one right. thing they all have in common is they can't stand a black, a black guy first and foremost in the white house. And, um, that of course kicked off in these in these right wing worlds, let's go after her again. Just because a, I'm an easy target. It's a way not to have to deal with issues, and it's uh, I am easily physically intimidated as a five foot one person who is usually alone after you know walking back yeah. from the show. So it'll be like one or two or three dudes with a camera who will try and play gotcha, or it'll be uh, sometimes trick morning radio interviews like they'll go through the club and say we want to interview Janine for some drive time show uh, and then they sandbag and then they it. sandbag or whatever the version of sandbagging well, is. Yeah. the interesting thing about like like what I'm I guess I don't know what I'm getting at really but that there's a there's a sort of posture when you, when you are provoking people like you know when you are a provocative comic and that you know you think you're having this this impact that the 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 funny thing about the one bill hick story that that I that I always tell only because you realize that some people, it's just if if you're not their entertainment option, you're not really going to affect them one way or the other. They're just not going to quite understand, and that really is the worst possible reaction because yeah. we want to get through. You know, I'd rather them get upset. I'd rather yeah, them sure. get aggravated than just sit there and go, mm, yeah, "Yeah, I'm bored." Yeah, yeah, this is boring. I did a show with Hicks, and I'm telling this because someone emailed me, and, and I and I was trying to get around to it somehow. Where, where it was at the Village Gate here in New York years ago when I was just starting out. And the, the, the structure of the show was they had a host, two comics, and an improv group. And that was the show. And Hicks was living here briefly at that time. And it didn't matter. Both, both comics did the same amount of time. It was just a spot. So the comics that night, I've been doing it maybe four or five years, it was, uh, maybe a little longer. But it's me and Hicks. And he was supposed to go first. And I knew in my head, like, no matter what he does... Whether it's good or bad, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to walk into a, you know, post-hurricane situation. And I said to him, I said, Bill, you know, can I go first? I mean, you're the guy with the Letterman's. I mean, I'm just, you know, can, you, can I just go first? He's like, no, I got to gotta meet some guy to play chess. And I'm like, oh, okay, as long as it's important. It's another so, reason I don't want to quit drinking. Yeah. End up rushing out of a gig to go play chess. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Yeah. yeah. So he goes on and like, I'm like, fuck. And, you know, I go to the bathroom and I come out maybe four minutes later and I have no idea what's transpired, but there's about 400 people in this room and it's pretty packed. He's crouched at the edge of the stage, screaming at a woman in the front row. I'm a fucking poet. I'm a fucking poet. Just fucking furious. And there's this silence in the room. And this woman goes, well, tell us a poem. <laughs> and he just, like, he's just baffled. He's dumbfounded. And he pops up and he goes, aren't you glad you didn't go first, Marin? You know, it just, that, you know, no matter how intense or how, you know, provocative or how much we think we're delivering, there are some people that's just going to be like, I don't understand. I've had Absolutely. a tendency in my career to 
do that to be a, that kind of a dick. And right. it's usually about something I just learned or realized. Where other people probably already <laughs> fucking knew that. And you know, you ever fucking think? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I just fucking figured this out myself. I just read a fucking Dawkins book. And yeah, like, oh, right. I never thought of this. So you're excited and <laughs> yeah. it comes out as being angry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it comes out as I fucking thought of this myself and I knew this all the, all along. And, <laughs> well, I think that's what it is. You're a bunch of idiots in the seat. That's the funny thing about it. About about you and just about and about Hicks too is that you know once you get past that weird kind of like bravado we're all pretty sensitive nice people and I think that's good like yeah, you yeah. See, your heart seems to be in the right place and people are always like you know that guy's an asshole or who the fuck do you think he is well and, it's a lazy assumption there's a lot of people who think that Congress are mean I don't know why they think that but just, they, but they, they, I don't see the, I don't see why that why they say that it's the only art form where the the shitty seats go first <laughs> no one wants to be up front <laughs> exactly yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but it's it's a well I guess there are some comics who do like pick on the audience even without being provoked by they like to do it and the audience seems to love it I again that's not my thing I don't yeah. pr- particularly care to pick on someone in the audience there are people that have irritated the fuck out of me and we have fought uh but that is not what i want i don't feel good about it i hate it when people leave i hate it when people uh don't like me and i get if that's ego or insecurity i don't know what well, it, i think we uh, all want to be like yeah i've done that where people were leaving walking out of my show and i'm like fuck you you know blah 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 blah, blah. and then like we're just going out to smoke <laughs> like, yeah. as the smoking band crept around like more and more i'd be yelling at people and like oh that's right everyone's going out to smoke <laughs> sorry you know? man sorry it does it hurt your feelings though when people are getting up and like uh, i'll i'll say now at least leave your per- just pretend you're going to the bathroom yeah even if you're leaving just pretend you're not leaving but yeah smokers have out. a tendency to leave in groups. Oh, this one time you know, people... we should go smoke yeah I want to. yeah smoke. or at least announce smoke. tell me where you're going like i'll ask yeah. i'll say are you going to the bathroom are you leaving? What is it? Yeah, it hurts yeah, my yeah. feelings. And then I and you should never draw that much attention to it. But I can't help it. It really upsets me I, to see people getting up and leaving. Oh, I had that. Way, I had a table of four get out and like you know before I even. I was like, what? That's it? You're fucking leaving? You had enough? You know, like that? <laughs> and they're like, you know, we have a sitter at home. And, like, <laughs> and they're like, we like you. We enjoyed the show. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, cell phone cameras now. Anytime yeah. someone pulls out their fucking cell phone for any reason, I assume they're filming me. And I've already told you that I've, I've tried to write a bit a thousand different ways to get people to fucking stop doing that. They won't do it. There, there is no stopping that. I think it's part. I think it's generational too. It's part of the fabric of a young person's culture is to film things. Create content, but they about think it. they're helping you by putting yeah. shit on YouTube, and you're like, right. I can never have a new album. And then you can't get uh, it yeah. out. You can't get it off YouTube. I have fucking, I've, you know, a bit that's three weeks old, and now I'm playing in Memphis, and you're yelling out the punchlines. Yeah, like, uh, they mean well. I mean, I it is something they think, and like I said, it's generational. I think it's just part of the way they live now. All of this uh, surveillance, and then. And, and replication, if that's they what do they it. call yeah. it. They're in charge of the surveillance. It, it doesn't have to be the government. Yeah, Everyone they're will do releasing it for your new DVD. It's worse yeah. than the stuff. You don't have any say in it. Anyone. And the more that you, they know you don't want them to film, the more mm-hmm. they're getting away with yeah. if they film you. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So now let's um, wrap up. Thank you all. It's great yeah. talking to you, oh, Doug. Yeah, thanks. To, oh, Finally, we had a conversation. Janine. Thank you, Mark. I think you're going to hang around. We're going to do a oh, whole we're doing other more? show. Oh, yeah. my God. You can't repeat any of it. And we taped oh, all of no. this, and it's going up on YouTube. <laughs> That's I have to have a whole new 30 minutes of conversation? Yes. Uh, oh, God. Can you think of it? I better get my notebook and my pen. Okay. All right. So that's, uh, that's that. Is that a good closer? That's good. Sounds good. You feel good, Doug? Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> okay. Everyone's good here, Brendan. I think we can end this.
All right, that's our show. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed having Doug Stanhope here. I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk. It was very nice of Janine Garofalo to stop by and uh, jump into the conversation. I want to thank you all for listening as usual. If you want to know anything about comedy in the broad sense of what's going on in the comedy world, go to punchlinemagazine.com. They have everything comedy-related that you could want to know. Breaking comedy news, old comedy news, interviews. They got the Type 5 video uh, segments with people like Michael Ian Black, myself, Stephen Wright. Punchlinemagazine.com for all your comedy needs. Also, please... If you will, go to WTFPod.com. That's where you can get a link to JustCoffee.coop. That's where you can get a link to our merchandise. That's where you can get a link to AudiblePodcast.com. There you can get a free audiobook download at WTFPod.com. Just hit the links there. And also, if you're interested in any of my other work, uh, i.e., uh, records, you can also get those at Audible, oddly, or you can go to iTunes. And I really do appreciate you listening and you can also donate at wtfpod.com not that i'm pressuring you but uh guys gotta eat am i right